0: entertainment the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media i'm your host christopher and with me is the dame with all the moxie you'll ever need to solve any crime it's lydia
1: yeah i'm always incited to co-hoist this podcast with you christopher <laughs> <laughs> moxie eh
0: <laughs> why not it seemed to fit with the era of this film Our our lead heroine definitely seemed like someone that would be described as having moxie, maybe, by somebody.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And in some ways, it fits with the eras of this film, too.
0: (laughs) Yes, it does. Well, before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone for tuning in and make sure that they know that they can listen and subscribe to this show via Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podchaser.com, or frankly, whatever podcast app you choose. And wherever you listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. If you're a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join. This is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphaned Entertainment, and there you can watch many of the films we've covered here on the podcast. If you'd like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to OrphanedEntertainment at gmail.com. All these links are on our webpage over at orphanedentertainment.com. So, with that, let's listen to a five minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we stay up late and go on a midnight manhunt.
2: Another five minute mystery. the loudspeaker system in Manor Hospital. A voice has been calling for hours.
3: Dr. Cabot, please report to Dr. Reisner's office. Dr. Cabot, report to Dr. Reisner's office. Dr. Cabot, report to Dr. Reisner's
2: office. I've had a call out for him for several hours, Mrs. Cabot, but we haven't been able to locate him. I'll let you know as soon as I hear anything. Goodbye. Oh, yes, Miss Burdick.
4: Dr. Reisner, Dr. Reisner, come quickly. Dr. Cabot's been murdered and all the radium's stolen. What's that?
2: Uh, operator, 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 Get me the police. Hurry. Dr. Cabot, report
3: to Dr. Reisner's office. Dr. Cabot, report to Dr. Reisner's office. Now, let's get this straight, Miss Burdick. You say you were walking along the corridor.
4: That's right, Lieutenant Fletcher. And I heard a noise that sounded like kicking on a door.
3: That was just outside of radiology?
4: Yes, Dr. Reisner. I knew no one should have been in there, so I opened the closet where the noise seemed to be coming from.
3: And you found the body of Dr. Cabot and the orderly. Uh,
2: What's his name?
4: Gorman. Dr. Cabot had been stabbed many times and was still tied and blindfolded. The radium vault was open and had been ransacked.
2: Thank you, Miss Burdick. Lieutenant, I think Gorman is coming around now. Perhaps he can tell us something. I'll try him. Gorman.
3: Gorman, wake up.
4: Jim. Jim, come on.
3: Yes, yes. Who did it, Gorman? Who did it? Two men. How did it happen? I
5: came in in the middle. They had the vault open and Dr. Cabot was gagged and blindfolded just like you see him now. Did they see you? Not at first. I I saw Dr. Cabot through a crack in the door. I I knew something had to be done fast, so I opened the door very quietly. Where were the men? They were in the corner, working on the safe. I walked in on tiptoe and saw them. I caught Dr. Cabot's attention, and he motioned for me to come ahead.
2: But they still didn't notice you? Uh, No,
5: sir. Then the chair Dr. Cabot was sitting on creaked, and one of them turned around. Then what happened? Everything. First they grabbed me and bound and blindfolded me, just like Miss Burdick found me, and... Then Dr. Cabot began to struggle. Did he get loose? No, Dr. Reisner, but for a moment it looked as if he would. They got very panicky and stabbed him with a scalpel.
3: Both of them or only one? No, it, uh, it was the younger one. I see.
5: For a moment I thought they'd use that knife on me, but they gave me a hypodermic needle instead. That knocked me out till Miss Burdick found me.
3: Do you think you can describe the men, Gorman? Oh, sure. Uh, but do you mind if I rest before I do it, Lieutenant? Never mind, Gorman. I won't let you overtax your imagination. Instead, I'll arrest you right now for the murder of Dr. Cabot.
2: Why did Lieutenant Fletcher arrest the orderly Gorman? In a moment, he'll tell you himself. But first...
1: Well, hi there. I'm Kayla, the host of Strikes My Fancy podcast. Have you ever wondered why we dream? Maybe you're struggling with your mental health and you need some guidance. Or perhaps you just enjoy listening to people chat about things they love. Strikes My Fancy has all of that and more. With rotating series and new and exciting guests in each episode, I keep it fresh, entertaining, and educational. Come explore with me and discover what it is that strikes your fancy. You can find my show on strikesmyfancy.podme.com or Apple, Spotify, pretty much anywhere that you listen to
0: podcasts. I look forward to you being a part of my journey. Hey there. Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between?
6: then we have a show for you. The 4 Nerds by Nerds
0: Podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The
2: 4 Nerds by Nerds Podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. And now, let's see if you listen to Gorman's story as carefully as Lieutenant Fletcher did.
4: But, Lieutenant, I don't see how you knew Gorman wasn't telling the truth.
3: Gorman said that when he entered the vault, Cabot motioned for him to come ahead. But Cabot was wearing a blindfold. Later, when Gorman was supposed to have been blindfolded and tied, he described which of the two imaginary robbers murdered Dr. Cabot. When I heard that, I knew that the blindfold, that Blindfold was just a gag.
0: 45's Midnight Manhunt is a crime mystery film directed by William C. Thomas and written by David Lang. The film stars William Gargan, and Savage, Leo Gorsi, and George Zuko. Professional criminal Joe Wells has been in hiding for several years. He resurfaces along with a pocket full of diamonds. Unfortunately for him, Jerjelke, played by George Zuko, finds him in a downtown hotel and guns him down. Thinking Wells is dead, Jelky takes the diamonds and leaves Wells in his room. Wells, however, is still alive and manages to survive long enough to leave his room and stumble across the Alley to a Wax Museum, where reporter Sue Gallagher, played by Ann Savage, finds the body. She swaps the body out with one of the wax figures to hide it so she can get the scoop before her, her off-again-on-again again boyfriend and rival reporter Pete Willis, William Gargan, can take any credit. Complicating things is Jelke returning and discovering Wells survived and tracking him to the museum, and the museum owner, Mr. Miggs, and his employee, Clutch Tracy, played by Leo Gorsi, who discovers the body and decide to get rid of it. What follows can only really be described as a comedy of errors as Jelke, Clutch, Pete, and Sue try to find the body. William Gargan was best known for the role of Detective Martin Kane in the 1949 through 1952 radio television series Martin Kane, Private Eye. It aired via radio and was simultaneously a television series on NBC. He also starred in 39 episodes of The New Adventures of Martin Kane in 1957. This was neat. Before his radio and film work, he was a salesman for bootlegged liquor to speakeasies, and then later on, an actual detective. Wow. <laughs> but that was pretty cool. <laughs> that is. That yeah, his, father, his father apparently was a detective, so I guess he... Uh, I guess once the speakeasy thing dried up, he followed in his dad's footsteps. (laughs) Anne Savage is most well known for playing the femme fatale in the 1945 film noir film Detour. She only really worked in film and television through the 40s and early 50s before leaving the industry altogether. She did enjoy a brief comeback in 2007 when Canadian filmmaker Guy Madden cast her as his mother in his film My Winnipeg. Madden has stated that he cast Savage because she, quote, would have scared the pants off Betty Davis, unquote. (laughs) My Winnipeg was critically acclaimed and won prizes from both the Toronto Film Critics Association, the San Francisco Film Critics Circle, as well as the Best Canadian Feature Film at the Toronto International Film Festival. Now, Leo Gorsi is famous for portraying the leader of a group of New York kids known variously as the Dead End Kids for seven films Seven films between 1937 and 1939, and 21 East Side Kids movies between 1940 and 1945, as Muggs McGinnis or Maloney, depending on the film, and as Terrence Alo- Aloysius Slip Mahoney, in 41 Bowery Boys movies between 1946 and 1956. Gorsi was famous for his use of malaparisms which are on full display <laughs> in Midnight Manhunt and that is no exasperation. <laughs> we already talked about George Zuku a bit on a film we talked mm-hmm. about previously, so I didn't want to I didn't go into him at all or anything.
1: And he's such a great kind of character actor. I don't know if you call him a character actor or if that's just his demeanor, but yeah, we'll probably see him again somewhere
0: too. Oh, absolutely! He was very prolific, especially in some of these poverty row and B pictures. Especially, I think by this time he had already kind of run in, the, run afoul with a little controversy about some parties he was having at his home, if I remember correctly.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, he was a he was a working actor, I guess is what you would say. Yeah. Taking whatever he could get, you know, reading the descriptions and everything. None of the descriptions really let you know that this is going to be fairly comedic.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I think it came up as a a comedy that somewhere it said this is a comedy. And Hmm. so I knew it would be a comedy. But from reading the synopsis and from looking at a little bit of it, you don't realize it's a comedy. And it's not actually even shot as a comedy. It's shot as a straight detective film. I don't feel like the, there's a whole lot of, you kind of get a, a different feel for angles and things like that. Usually when you're into heavy comedy and this is filmed more like a straight detective story or, yeah. you know, newspaper story, I suppose.
0: I, I kept seeing it as a crime film or a mystery film. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong and I could just be mistaken. But when I sat down to watch it, I especially if you look at like the poster and it's got Mm -hmm. midnight manhunt and George Zuko's there and he's looking all mean and there's people cowling in the background. I'm like, okay, all right, this looks like a legit, you know, it's good. Might be a little dark, maybe shadowy, you know, Mm -hmm. let's see what goes on. And I was actually looking forward to seeing Leo Gorsi as something other than like a Bowery boy, which is all I Mm -hmm. really know him for. (laughs) That wasn't to (laughs) be, he was pretty much exactly what you expect Leo Gorsi to be in this movie, and that kind of took me out of this. I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this one as much because it's, it's just played up for comedy too much in too many places.
1: Well, and I was a little confused coming into it. I, I'm not super familiar with Leo Gorcy. Of course, I know George Zuko, and uh, the other actors in this are not. They may be prolific, but they're not. You know, they're they're not huge names that you would usually catch. So going into it, it takes a little while, actually, before William Gargan's character, Pete Willis, is even introduced. And I kept, you know, going into it, not really knowing what the storyline was going to be. I thought at first that Leo Gorsey was going to be and Savage's love interest, and I thought this can't work. Like, no.
0: <laughs> how is <laughs> Definitely this guy the
1: hero? Yeah, I was so confused why he was the the lead man in this. Well, he's not technically, but uh, it, it takes a little while to get around to introducing the lead man on it. So, I, it, so it was a little bit confusing for me at the start.
0: I like the way the film begins. I mean, it really jumps right into it. I mean, mm. you see the guy he's in the hotel room, and the guy comes in. There's no. Dialogue whatsoever,
1: no dialogue,
0: and it's just something's going on. Then, bam, a gun fight. The gun fires, and yeah, it's probably a good two, three minutes into the film before anyone says a word. Like an mm-hmm. all right, which all right. is
1: great. You don't get that very often, I think, especially at this time period. But even anymore usually have, you know, some explanation or, you know, like they do in Casablanca, you've got a a, 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 card explaining, you know, some of the information about the location or whatever. So this was interesting that the very introduction of it, I agree with you. I think it was really interesting and pulled you in right away, which yes. I loved about it. And then I got real confused again because then we switched or got really confused at that point. Cause we switch over to this wax museum and these kind of, you know, quirky characters, including, uh, the uh, police officer, you know, Flatfoot beat cop Murphy, you know, and he's got this kind of Irish cop. Well, you know, it's oh, the 1940s, of
0: course, it's an Irish cop, cop. <laughs>
1: right. and he's got this. Oh, no, I'm telling you, I know it's you know, and. And you're and, and I actually had a few minutes there. Where I didn't even know if we were. The, I wasn't sure about the time period. I was. There were moments in it where I thought, "Oh, is this five years later?" Because they even say Joe Wells disappeared five years ago, and I was like, "Oh, okay, oh, so right, right. you know, the guy that got shot in the beginning that was five years ago, but it's not. It's at the same time. So there's. It's not that it's poorly done. It's just that you really have to be kind of paying attention, and and." Even then, I was a little bit confused to try and figure out what was going on early yeah. on.
0: Yeah, while not five years, there is a bit of a time jump because you see Joe Willis—he's shot, but then George Zuku leaves the room, and then George Willis gets up again and manages Ooh. to get to the door. <laughs> yes, and then the screen fades, and then yeah, you go to the wax museum, and the cop is on the phone saying that he saw he's got George Joe Willis's body out in the alley. So. Yeah. Okay, and so, of course
1: we don't know who Joe Wells is yet. We we just know some guy was shot, but we don't know that that's Joe Wells.
0: There is nothing that says that this is indeed connected right away, and then mm-hmm. later on, there's a uh, uh, the the cop actually gets the his his chief to come down to check things out, and he mentions, "Oh, you you want to come with me to check out a shooting we got a report of, you know, down the block?" And oh yeah, sure, I'll go.
1: Yes. It's not that it's badly done. It's just, I, I think almost what what I'm trying to get around to saying, but hadn't thought of it this way is it it sucks you in right away because there's enough going on that you don't realize is connected that you're watching, trying to figure out, okay, so wait, is this related? Who's this? You know, And like I said, of course, I went in mistakenly thinking that Leo Corsi was going to be the lead man, which added another level of confusion for me. But uh, yeah, if 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 Leo Gorsi had been the lead man, I think this movie would have turned me off
0: real fast. <laughs> were, you having a, were you having an optical optical delusion?
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Cause it's yeah. Anyway, so he. Uh, but but I do love I love his employer in this this old kind of
0: Mr. Miggs,
1: shaky Mr. Miggs. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired.
6: Twenty dollars and seventy two cents, and standing on my feet all day. oh you're just mercenary. I don't know what I'm going to do. My life hasn't been the same since my brother-in-law had to die and leave me this place. Wish he'd left it to me. Yeah, but you weren't retired. You hadn't worked hard all your life like me. I'm an old man. What do you think I am, kindergarten stock? He's
0: supposed to be retired, but he's running a wax museum instead. I thought that was really interesting that he even gave him that little bit of backstory for a character that... You know, none of that comes into play or anything through the Mm -hmm. film. Adding that little tweak to a character, Mm -hmm. like that was unnecessary, but welcome.
1: (laughs) But interesting. Well, then they do it with Clutch, too. He mentions, you know, oh, you know, my old man got set up. You know, the cops cops ran my old man in for something he didn't do. And I think you get little tidbits of that. You know, uh, Sue Gallagher is, you know, she's mad at Pete Willis because she thinks he... You know, uses loaded dice because she lost her whole expense account to him last week while they were, <laughs> you know, going and doing a, a a trip somewhere, you know, do it and it, So you get these little tidbits of information, backstory for all of the characters in this. And it does make them, I think, feel a little more like real characters and where you could fall into having this story feel very ramshackle and and kind of cobbled together it feels like these are actual people that have a life before that you walked into the scene and found them
0: yeah that's very true yeah that's something i hadn't really thought of in that way but you're right uh you're not walking in and like they were frozen until the camera started then they started moving (laughs) there was something going on before we happened to look
1: right these aren't just characters that were written these are actually people and you're learning about them
0: um, I really thought that um, Migs, with him going, I mean, he must have told four people how tired <laughs> yes. he was. And I good. really thought, I admit, I thought that was a gag, or was building up to a gag, that... <laughs> didn't happen i thought you know this this is this guy's gonna fall asleep somewhere in the museum
1: (laughs) he should have it would have been so great (laughs) the next the next day
0: someone's gonna come by some kid you know who's this supposed to be you know
1: (laughs) yeah you expect him to show up somewhere yeah it this is such a hard movie to characterize it's such a hard Mm. movie to to describe because I feel it's so weird. I almost feel like we're getting to the wrapping up part of this podcast before we've even talked about the movie. Yeah. But But the movie kind of feels like that. It's almost like the movie is the third act of another story. It's almost like you're just starting right at the very beginning. It seems like we should have seen Joe Wells, you know, years ago, run away from his gang. We find out he's a mobster. What what does Clutch say? He says he had so many notches on his tommy gun, it looked like a buzzsaw. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he says. So here are these characters with these rich backgrounds, and we're coming into it, it, and it's both a complaint and a compliment. We're coming into it in this third act, and so it keeps feeling like, both like there's there's so much going on in this movie, but it also feels like there's so much more that I would like to have seen before this movie ever started.
0: Jelke tells that tells them to uh, that. He's like, he represents some uh, South American diamond consortium or something yeah. like that. They, they want these diamonds that uh, Jelke ran off with. I'm like, Okay, there's got to be more to that story. (laughs) Right. There's so much. I feel like
1: this is like, of course, today they would have made it an unnecessary trilogy. But (laughs) in this time, it could have been, this is only an hour and six minute movie. And it feels like there's like a whole other half hour of maybe building Sue and Pete's relationship. Because we come into it when they're already Fallen out, and he keeps trying to kind of like come on, baby, come on, baby. And she's like, No, you know, and it's like, but I, but I had a hard time engaging with that because I, I had never seen them working well together. And so I wasn't, I was never rooting for them to get back together. Mm -hmm. So there were missing chunks in this. While we have this history, you don't get to kind of ease into the story, it just thrusts you into it where you're at. And so it feels a little, it feels discombobulated. But it's not badly shot. It's not badly directed. It just feels like you're coming in in the third act.
0: Every time they walk off screen, they're going to the other movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's Rosencrantz and dead. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> They've already done it. <laughs> it does feel, and it is funny, because every time they walk off screen, they're going to do something really important, <laughs> like hide the body, and you never see them hide the body. <laughs> it's just people continually looking for the body. And maybe that's what this is. It's a hide the body movie where you never see anyone hiding the body. You just see people looking for the body. <laughs>
0: right. And then and then maybe mentioning where they put the body.
1: Right. And then somebody going to look for it there and it's not there again. Yeah. So it is funny. It's 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 weird because it doesn't follow the typical pattern that we expect for a hide the body film. Right. Or for, a, you know, comedic romance or for slapstick comedy, it's like it's got little bits of all of these things in there, but it doesn't follow the prescribed route, and so you're always kind of a little a little on edge. Now, it keeps you interested, I think, but it also doesn't follow that pattern you expect, so you never quite get comfortable with it.
0: I think for me, some of the comedy aspects, you know, you said slapstick, and that's really what it feels like with Leo Gorsi's character, mm-hmm. and him and uh, Migs and the stuff that to me is what kind of like really kind of pulls me out of this movie. I think I would um, enjoy watching everybody do go about what they're doing. If we didn't open the movie with almost entirely comedy. I mean, it's a good 10, 15 minutes of people effectively telling jokes you know, we mm-hmm. got Leo Gorsi doing his little, you know, mangling the English language and, and Miggs talking about how tired he is. And, and both of them are, uh, uh, I should say, um, Clutch, you know, giving the cop grief. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And getting shocked with his electric chair gag. Right, and right, right. They're, they're, and, and then
0: finally, thing. finally, Ann Savage uh, or Sue Gallagher walks in. OK, and, and suddenly she's like the the first, like, serious character. That is stepped on set.
7: And I tell you, it was him. Ah, sure, I'm sure. Say, what is it? What right? I'll wait for you.
6: Just too bad, Mifflin. I'd advise you to see an optimist. Very funny. You'll go home, Miggs. I'll lock up after you. I wouldn't trust him, Miggs. Not in his condition. I don't mind waiting. Is there anything
7: I can do? Oh, I just got to wait around here till Lieutenant Hurley shows up, and we'll be out of here in a couple of minutes.
6: It's broken down, Rubber Heel. Why don't they detach him off the force? Why don't you shut up? Well, I hope you'll all be out of here soon. I'm very tired. What do you think I am?
4: I'll bite. What are you?
6: Well, if it ain't your typewriter herself. Oh, Miss Gallagher, there's been some kind of a trouble. Hey, Gallagher, give me a match, will you?
4: A twerp like you, smoking that.
6: Big things sometimes come in little packages.
4: You'll keep on, they'll make you a moron. Junior grade.
6: Think you can afford this?
4: What's the trouble? Uh, I really don't know. Uh, how'd you do today? Any better? Any better? Imagine. Just because I lost my expense account in a crap game, they put me on a leg job in some corny police station out in the sticks. Who? My paper. For crying out loud, aren't you listening?
6: Oh, this is Miss Gallagher, Mr. Murphy. She lives upstairs over the exhibit.
4: A flea bag renovated into an apartment. Hey, got not a match.
6: This one you give me is damage.
4: Beat it. I think it's a nice little place
6: you've got upstairs.
4: As places go. Oh, don't mind me tonight, Mr. Miggs. I'm just mad at the world.
6: She's a reporter.
4: But you wouldn't know it. You're a disgrace to the Chronicle, they said. We're going to teach you a lesson, they said. Get that, where you? They're going to teach me a lesson. Me, the one who covered the Gardner Stanley hanging. And how about the Kingman fire? I even had the newsboys crying.
0: I wasn't crying. You. I'd actually kind of like to see this. I mean, is she a good reporter? Yeah. And is she just being, because it's the 1940s and she's a woman? I, you mm. know, what is going on? on with her exactly so we don't really know is it warranted for her to want to get this scoop? You know, Mm -hmm. know, what's really been happening with her with the paper?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I absolutely agree with all the things you just said. I'm not even going to repeat any of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just don't know about her character, whether I even buy her character because I just I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find we're it hard to. A,
1: we're coming in at the third act.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. we don't
1: we don't know if we should believe her. We don't know if she, any of the things that you just said that I'm not going to repeat.
0: <laughs> and the same goes with, and you mentioned it too the the relationship between her and Pete. And mm. yeah, Pete comes in kind of being Mr. Manhandling, you know, doing the mm-hmm. well. Obviously, it's just <laughs> it's just on hold. We're obviously going to get the back together, and like, mm-hmm. dude, you're. You know, walking on the creepy factor here.
1: Yeah, good luck with that, dude. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And as soon as he walks in the room with her, he's got his arms around her and, like, dude, back off.
1: <laughs> She's already said no, man. No means no, right? right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, the, I, what you're saying is right. There's, there's not, we're not seeing enough of the things that we're being told to judge whether the things were being told are accurate or not. And so that's where I think we're, we're I certainly struggled to connect with any of the characters. There just was, every, everything is hearsay without me being able to confirm it, which makes it, makes it kind of hard to commit.
0: There was even moments where you um, are told how clever the people are but we don't get to see them being clever. Yeah. Uh, Or it's explained after the fact, oh, how clever they were. And it's like, I kind of wanted to see that. Kind of jumping a, a little bit ahead, I guess, but I don't know how else to really make my point or anything is, is Pete ends up with the body and uh, frankly I've even forgotten how he ended up with it
1: because <laughs> we never see it it never we never see how anybody gets the body after Sue first literally stumbles over it literally stumbles over it
7: we'll be there in a few minutes but a body in a cab Mr. Willis is that quite safe I told him he was a friend of mine too drunk to take home an hour spent around the park and I'd pick him up in good condition that was clever well, who'd know a drunk from a stiff? I had him propped up in the corner just as nice as you please.
4: You mean if he doesn't start sliding?
7: You think I'm nuts? I had him pinned to the cushion. Amazing. All right, driver, let's start through the park.
0: There's a lot that goes on in like the like the last 15 minutes of this movie. It's what's really funny is you're watching the whole film and everything. I remember going through it and we get up to kind of like near that point. And, like, and I had a pause to go... I don't do something for the dog or to get something to drink or whatever. And like, Oh, there's only 12 minutes of this film left. Mm -hmm. But that 12 minutes is like the 12 minutes.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not the, it's, I think it's not the movie that I expected there. And there are a few things about it that, as we're talking about it bother me (laughs) we've already talked about how sue and pete's relationship is dubious let's call it problematic yeah problematic it's difficult to quite grasp or Mm -hmm. believe but then there's an awful lot that goes on i feel like sue is the person in this movie that is prob is the most likely to be clever possibly except for jelke who of course you know you know spoiler is is the bad guy <laughs> if you
0: didn't know <laughs> well, from the we first saw him kill seconds. someone in the first minute i think we knew
1: <laughs> if you didn't notice but it feels like she is it's interesting for when i was watching this i thought i actually thought she was trying too hard to be barbara stanwick which, and I don't, I don't have any comparisons for them. I don't have any knowledge of their interactions or, you know, of course they're both acting at the same time period. Maybe Sue Gall or maybe Ann Savage had that. that I mean, you know, I know, Barbara Stanwyck's around for, you know, since the 30s. She's been around, but it was really weird because it felt like the movie was trying so hard to make her Barbara Stanwyck, who's of course this powerhouse, just this fabulous, strong female. and, in the process of this movie, uh, she gets she gets double crossed. She gets literally pistol whipped. Mm-hmm. She gets manipulated by her ex boyfriend, and everything that goes on. It, it, she gets fired and and. And literally told, I should have known better than to hire a woman, crazy woman report. There's a lot in this movie that I'm going, I'm so confused. This is the character that of anybody I would expect to actually be the really clever, intelligent one. But then it's the, the movie pulls this, it's almost like a deus ex machina. Like it's like it takes all of the parts that should have been Sue and makes Pete do them.
5: Yeah.
1: And yep. and it feels like in any any other movie sue would have been the one it, it's almost like why did they even bother to put sue in here except to just browbeat women which i say it from time to time i am not a, a you know a flag-waving feminist but at some point you have to kind of look at a movie and go how many more times are you going to beat up this poor woman she's not an idiot <laughs> what is it, it's almost like they were like it's almost like they wanted Pete and Sue to be the same person to start with, but then they were like, Oh, we better throw in a romance just to keep people hooked. Mm -hmm. And it would have been, I think maybe even a better movie if they had just taken the romance out of it and just had one person, you know, doing all the, doing all the things. The result though, is this weirdly dysfunctional relationship that is actually extremely uncomfortable. (laughs) The more I talk about it, the more uncomfortable I am with it
0: that's one of the things I was kind of hoping for. I don't know if I was went in with expectations, but I was hoping after reading the synopsis about the woman trying to find the murder to do this and do that before her, you know, her, her boyfriend rival reporter, I'm thinking, okay, good. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have like an intelligent woman reporter. Mm -hmm. She's just, she's just a reactionary character. I mean, she doesn't really do anything to, affect the plot at any point she just gets kind of pulled from one scene to another by pete or jelky
1: and i feel like it's a failure to use her character i think i think they had the opportunity to make her i think she already is maybe maybe ann savage was too much for this role maybe that's what it was if she had come in as kind of a ditzy blonde reporter this would have made a lot more sense but she's not that kind of ditzy character. A ditzy character, you'd expect, oh, yeah, maybe she thinks it's a good idea to steal a body because she's not all that bright. But but Sue is supposed to be really smart. But then, you know, oh, well, you know, she wouldn't let a guy knock her out. But, like, a ditzy blonde girl, you would expect her to kind of be pulled around. I, I don't mean specifically a blonde, obviously, but I mean that character. You would expect that. But since they bring in this really strong woman instead, it's very confusing. So I, I maybe this is a little bit of a miscast, and it should have been somebody a little more um, like Betty Grable or somebody that's a little better at that kind of kind of wishy washy character.
0: She needed to be a character that was more in tune to being a sidekick.
1: Yes, and yeah. and what what happened is instead of Pete being the strong guy and coming in and fixing everything, which is, I think, what they tried to make happen, it ended up feeling like he was kind of skeezy and was, like, pushing this, like, creeping around this really smart woman that she just gets sidelined and and sidelined. So I I do wonder, now that we're, we're talking about this, it seems almost like it's a bit of a miscast, like she's too much for this
0: role. Now, if you just look at the story, you're right. You could have easily erased Pete And everything Pete did Sue could have done Mm -hmm. or like you were said, vice versa, or you could erase Sue and just Mm -hmm. give everything to Pete. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. didn't need the two of them. You didn't need this relationship, which felt very forced, especially since he was like forcing Forcing himself.
1: himself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. That it really, it, it, it becomes almost distracting because you do suddenly feel like you've got this ex- extraneous character. Like, mm-hmm. why, why are you here? Even, even Clutch knew when to disappear.
2: <laughs> or the <laughs> yeah. character of
0: Clutch. They knew when to, like, okay, we've had enough for him for a while. Right. Let's take a break. Right. I mean, can you imagine if that if he was a tag along through the entire film?
1: Oh, my goodness, and it's funny now that like as we're talking about this, thinking through all the things that happen, even kind of the end is that they wrap it up and you know and deal with Jelke and all of that. I'm thinking if that had been one person instead of instead of Pete and Sue, this would have been a funnier, more interesting movie. You would have had instead of having two characters that are at odds with each other, you would have had this like really intelligent like, interesting character. Instead, you've got to end up with these two characters that you're like, ooh, what are they... Why are they even trying today? Yeah. <laughs> it, it creates more problems than it solves.
0: I think it would have been really neat. I mean, George, George Zuko is a... He, he's one of those actors that kind of has a presence on screen. Oh, yeah, he's great. I, and Jelke, you know, his character of Jelke was was no different. I mean, how cool would it have been to see him having to play off against sue mm-hmm. you know when she starts doing well if she were doing pete's role and trying to do the little machination well yeah i'm looking for the diamonds you bet mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. And, and and doing all that and yeah i put the body in a cab <laughs> uh, and, and have, have have george zuko's character there having to have to deal with this oh work through uh, it oh yes. wait this 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 broad's got moxie.
1: Yeah. And and instead, you literally have a moment where she tries to leave the film and they tell her, no, you're getting in the cab with us. Yes.
0: (laughs) Unfortunately, kind of missed potential, I think. Mm
1: -hmm. I think so, too. Either either missed potential or or overcasting, which is unusual. That's not... I don't feel like it's super often that you get a character where you're like, man, that that actor was just too much for that part. Or maybe there were just too many people for the parts. Maybe there were too many people for the plot is, you know, the
0: alternative.
1: Yeah, but this there,
0: is this is an interesting situation. Yeah, there are times where the film feels a little crowded.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just like the cab. <laughs> All four of us aren't going to fit in this cab. Somebody should have said that. In the we'll movie. manage. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. is kind of funny. <laughs> well, yeah. it is interesting. I'm not going to get too into it, but I I, the, I liked the story overall. I liked how it wrapped up. I thought, you know, there was a little bit of of humor at the end of it that didn't get. I I was a bit disappointed with Leo Gorsi. I felt like he was. Either too much or too little the whole time. There's a movie with Bob Hope, uh, The Ghostbreakers, and his sidekick in that has a lot of those facial reactions that we see Leo Gorsi doing, but they're funnier. And with Leo Gorsi doing them, it, it's like it's meant to be funny, but you never quite buy him as being as stupid as he's pretending to be. And so when he does those big reactions, it, it comes off as intentional humor instead of just humor arising from the moment. So there's a, he he was a little bit of a problem for me in this in mm-hmm. this role. I loved Miggs. I think that Charles Halton and this was perfect. I I wish I would love to see him again. I would love to have seen <laughs> a little bit more of him in this movie. He didn't really have enough of a role to be in it any more than he no. was. But, you know, him him getting picked up by the police and running into Ann at the police station, you know, it kind of cracked me up. This this little old man, and they're like, oh, you must have killed this gangster.
7: Yeah, you better get here right away, Harley. Something just broke on the Wells story. That's right. A guy named Miggs, Complete confession. Snatching bodies.
6: I didn't confess
7: anything. I just said... You said you stuck the corpse of Joe Wells in a freight car, didn't you?
4: Mr. Meigs, what did you do?
6: Oh, Miss Gallagher, I'm so glad to see you.
4: Oh, don't tell me they think you're the guy.
6: Oh, it was horrible, just like a nightmare. I had no idea I was going to get in trouble
7: like this. That's what they all say. This ought to be good for murder.
4: What are you trying to do, crucify him? Where did you put it?
7: In a boxcar
6: in the freight yards.
4: Oh, Ohio and
6: Western car, I think. Near
7: a water tower at the end of the yard.
4: We'll get you out of this in no time, Mr. make.
7: None of your funny business now. You keep waiting in freight yard, see?
4: Who's going near the freight yard? I just want enough time to get to my paper. Take it easy. With my story on page one in the morning, you'll be exonerated in full.
1: I hope so. I'm so
6: tired.
1: There are a lot of good pieces in this movie. But maybe there are too many pieces, which we've already said a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're just, you know, working out the movie kinks.
0: <laughs> I find myself with this film not really sure what to make of it. You said you enjoyed the overall story. And, yeah, there are elements of it that I I, I like. But overall, and maybe it was only because I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of an intelligent film that this Mm -hmm. one left me feeling a little bored with it. Mm -hmm. And
1: I I like the way they wrapped it up, mm, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe possibly. I I like the fact that it was, you know, someone was being clever. That was a little bit of cleverness off screen. I I guess I didn't mind because you were, you had no idea that anyone was like going to be that smart in the film. Maybe. Yes. Or that Pete was going to actually be that smart.
1: Yeah. It never would have occurred to me that Pete would have been that smart, right? I, I, I think that's where that dis, this disjointedness is. Is you would think Sue would be the smart one, it, because of because of the actress. I think she just has that kind of demeanor. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm with you though. I think there there are parts of it. I don't know if I would say. Bored as much as disappointed.
3: You're
1: right. Uh, it, 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 I think this is. I think what a little bit of the result of this podcast is. We cover movies that have fallen out of copyright, and typically, movies fall. I think in a lot of cases, movies fell out of copyright because they just weren't top notch. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably an example of that. There, there are movies that stayed in copyright and people remember them. And, it, and I don't think that it's a result of them remaining copyright and continuing to be distributed as much almost as the other way around. If this movie had been a little better, maybe they would have retained the copyright on it. Maybe people would remember it. Maybe it would have gotten picked up by somebody else. But because it, it, fails, it fails a little bit on so many levels, it just kind of fell aside, I think.
0: Right. And we have a cast that is a for the most part, I'm, you know, I can take or leave maybe William Gargan, yeah, but, Ann Savage, um, George Zuko. I, I really want to see these two in a different movie together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so this film has some, some good acting and maybe just not the strongest of story. The story is not mm. as strong as the, as the cast that they, that they assembled. Um, mm. Yeah, this is one of those movies where you wish you could kind of like, okay, that's good. Let's try this. Let's try it again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and I don't think there's I, I don't think there's anybody in this movie that I just am like, ugh, I hope I never see them again. Uh even even the detective, the lead police officer in it, you know, he he's he's fine. He's good. In his part, he's great. It's not as if you can just say, oh, this is awful because, you know, all these actors are bad. And you can't say, this is awful because the dialogue is horrible or, the you know, the cinematography is awful. It's just a little bit of a problem in just a lot of different areas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just overall, like we were saying, a little bit of a disappointment. Mm -hmm. There's really... Trying to find a better way to describe it, but I think that kind of really <laughs> sums it up.
1: It had it had a couple twists in it that I that I appreciated.
0: And why but does it have even like to have, have to be a wax a museum? Movie? I mean, I, well, I, Thank you,
1: <laughs> thank you. Literally, the only reason it was a wax museum is because they wanted to do that gag of having a dead guy at a table with a bunch of wax figures, that, and that's it. There's no other good reason for it. It could have been a department store.
0: Didn't have to be anything. It could have been anything but just a broom closet. I mean, honestly, yeah. the big the thing, she she hides the body, you know, in the figure with the figures or whatever. In
1: plain sight. In mm-hmm. plain
0: sight. That's fine. But she could have easily just put it in a broom closet. hmm Because it's at it the was, end of the day, everyone's getting ready to go home. But then, mm-hmm. you know, Migs wanders off and then it comes back and that's the gag. You're like, oh my God, there's a dead guy playing cards. He,
1: yeah, okay, literal whatever, skeleton in the closet would have been just as funny. Exactly. <laughs> or possibly funny. It it felt like it, it was too It I it feels like they made it a wax museum just for the one one gag. And there are a couple of other things that I think they tried to do with it but they just failed with it.
0: Yeah, disappointment is I think the word. Typically wax museums you've got a bunch of like people standing around. So you're 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 doing a crime mystery thriller Mm-hmm. Where's the person getting spooked or creeped yes. out by all these or, figures? Surrounding or the person them
1: pretending to be a wax figure, but isn't actually. And why didn't it wrap up in the wax meeting? <laughs> like you have this great setting where you could potentially have all these great things happen, you know, lots of confusion. And, hey, it's a hide the body movie. Why not mistake a wax figure for the body? But they just, uh, it, yeah, there there wasn't that. The whole part part of the plot just completely fell flat.
0: Now, I did want to bring this up. This was something I, I real watching the movie and I, I realized that I, th- I thought the um, filmmakers did a clever job of. Obviously, there's probably, I'm sure this was like a Poverty Row type picture. This wasn't a major studio. Right.
1: The budget was
0: probably really low small. budget. Yeah. yeah. And so they had the set of the Wax Museum and they had um, a couple of apartments. Which are probably just stock, I'm guessing if you watch enough movies you've already you've seen these apartments in countless films, mm-hmm. so there was moments when you know they're supposed to be outside, and you know this entire thing is probably studio bound there's no on location right. or anything like that, so to mm-hmm. kind of excuse the fact that they can't show the a, a whole freight yard they can't show the, you know the the wharf you know, when they go to the, the ferry or anything like that. So they throw in, Oh my gosh, a thick fog's rolled in. Like, <laughs> Oh, that was really
1: smart. Comment on it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Like, okay, that was really clever. So the, obviously you don't see everything because there's a big fog. So it just looks like a gray background. I'm like, all right, that was smart. <laughs> Kudos mm-hmm. to the filmmakers on that one for kind of, making do with uh, what little they had.
1: Well, and and again, it's not that this movie is just a complete failure. You you know, I think we've already touched on the cinematography. It's not horrible. The sound wasn't awful. Obviously, there's a a little bit of an issue with this uh, having some degradation from setting wherever it's set for a while. But overall, you're not running into horrible sound. We've had a couple movies where you couldn't even understand what people were saying. Mm -hmm. We've had ones where the focus was out and the shot. This was a little okay film movie. But uh, I just totally lost my train of thought on that. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sorry. I had a moment where I thought I'm repeating myself again.
0: (laughs) You were saying earlier about the public domain films and that the ones that go out of public domain are the ones that are... You know, more widely distributed, and this one is is no exception. I'm sure this is what we were watching is a copy of a copy of a mm-hmm. copy. and there are very there are moments where the screen's sort of black and you hear something going on. Mm. who who knows you know maybe you could see that at one point. Um, mm-hmm. yep. but the sound is actually pretty good. Um, for this one, there are just a few moments where there are some obvious um, hard cuts in the edits mm-hmm. where, you know, whatever film that this transfer was from probably broke and they had to splice it. But it's just a little bit of a miss. Yeah, just a little bit of a miss. And there is the the fun little bits of uh, hair that get yeah. into the frame every now and again, <laughs>
1: and where you you actually get distracted because you're so busy watching the hair, and then you got to back it up and go, wait, what were they saying? <laughs> because I was <always laughs> see this little white jump on the screen. <laughs> but overall, not horribly distracting, and and not a not a product of the quality of the filmmaking, just no, of no. the time that it's been not cared for.
0: It would be one of those films that would be really fun to see. When it premiered, you know, 1945 Mm -hmm. to actually see it crisp and clean Mm -hmm. print would have been really, would have been really fun.
1: I mean, this is this is a movie, of course, is made in it was put out in nineteen forty-five. They were making hundreds of movies every year. These were very quickly made, very quickly put out. And they weren't really, I think they weren't really intended to be picked apart the way we oh, no. pick apart movies no. these days. So as a is a little jaunt, you know, hey, let's go to the let's go to the pictures tonight, you know, let us see what out what's new this week, or you know, there's something to keep people going. There's no TV, you know, so let's go just see whatever's Fun that's on right now. This is not a bad
0: little movie. No, no, uh, no. That's a very it, good point. I mean, these films at this time, they were never really even meant to be seen twice. I exactly. mean, really. I mean, they they yes. you had a print or two that would tour, they would go into your town, you'd see it for the weekend, maybe two weekends, if it was if it was popular. And then that print would go off to the other town, and something else would move in. <laughs> yes. So unless you went to the Saturday uh, matinee and the evening showing, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, un, under those circumstances, no. I mean, if I spent my you know my twenty-five cents to go to the matinee or something, uh, I wouldn't feel like it was a, a, a wasted time.
1: Yeah, it's a little escape, and it's it's a fun little jaunt. It's got a little bit of a twist at a point. And it's, it's enough to distract you for an hour, and then you go get ice cream afterwards. Yes. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's not that's not a failure. That's just, I think, a product of the time. Of the time.
0: And I think it's amazing when you, when you look at how busy Leo Gorsi was, you know, just reading about oh, him. And, I mean, goodness. he did all those films, and he's actually found time to do... A different film, even if it is effectively the same character.
1: Right. <laughs> it still is more time on a set, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. I think maybe that's by one of my biggest disappointments of this film is the fact that he is that character. He's just mm. the same character that he is in all the Bowery Boy films that I've ever seen.
1: It's a little dialed in. I think maybe is what I yes, what I wasn't yes. able to express before. It is he doesn't he, you know yeah he does the face reactions yeah he does you know the little funny bits here and there but it doesn't feel like it's really carefully done it feels like oh hey let's just do this gag you know not not carefully thought out or carefully planned so yeah I, it would have been having having heard you say that I agree it would have been fun to see him as a different character because it felt like Ha- almost habit for him it yes. felt
0: too easy for him to do it yeah yeah like like you said he just phoned it in um either him playing a different character or just another actor altogether mm-hmm. doing the role and and dropping all the the goofy phrases and the you know i'd appreciate that yeah mm-hmm. drop it all together because it just it feels like you're oh is this a bowery boy film you know <laughs> <laughs> And maybe too because we've had such strong films the last couple months that this really felt like a little bit of a letdown <laughs> compared to those.
1: It it did, but I think I think it let itself down more than more than in comparison. There are some pretty big issues with it. There the the third act feeling of it, the dubious relationship between the two quote main characters unquote. There I, I don't. I think that it would be easy to say, oh, yeah, we're just disappointed in it because we've seen some really good movies. But it does have some some pretty substantial flaws within it.
0: So based on those flaws, I guess we <laughs> need to put a, uh, a rating on it. And, yeah, this nothing. is one where it's not a bad movie, so I can't say that it should get a bad rating. But it is far from being a good movie or a mm-hmm. great movie and shouldn't get a great rating. It'd be pretty easy to just go right down the middle and call it a three. I almost would even go two because honestly there's other films that I could fall that I think you could find that are a little bit more well put together than this one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, I think a two for me, I mean, unless you're a big fan of Leo, any Gorsi of the
1: above. Or yeah. <laughs> George Zuka.
0: Yeah. If you're just really going to be a completist and you want to see all the works of one of these actors, then yeah, you're not going to be, sorely disappointed with this one I don't think but otherwise I think it's pretty easily skippable
1: mm-hmm. yeah I agree I think I think I keep kind of referring to a twist and I honestly think that one little detail is the one thing that makes me kind of want to bump it up a little bit but uh, overall if I'm reading this out of five oaths, and five is you absolutely have to see this movie, mm-hmm. and one is don't waste your time, I think I'm right with there with you with the two. It's it's if you want to put something on in the background while you're doing dishes and not think too hard about it, this is a good little movie to put on. Yeah, um, but I I think you're gonna be happier with any of these actors. Probably in any other movie, <laughs> 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 which is kind of sad it's it's got some creative stuff in it, so for that reason alone, it's not just a one but uh i i, I bet you could find a better movie out there for each of the actors in it,
0: oh yeah, absolutely definitely and uh, I mean I mentioned a couple you know things one don't talking about the actors i mean Ann savage go go watch uh was a detour. Um, William Gargan, mm-hmm. actually, uh, I forget what film it was. I have to look it up real quick. He was a, a Academy Award nominee for film that he was in. Mm. Uh, yeah. for, they knew what they wanted. I think that was in 1941. So he, he was an Academy Award nominee in, in 1941, and in 1945 he's playing the sort of creepy reporter dude.
1: I didn't even catch this. I can't believe I missed this. I was first looking through it. He was in Rain, which is one of Are all time favorites on this
0: podcast. Yeah, that is true. But I don't remember the character that he played.
1: I think it's a bit part. So, ironically, I mean, we already know he's been in a better movie. (laughs) So, if you just want to see his face on on film, go watch Rain. (laughs) But yeah, any of these characters, I think, or any of these actors, I think, look them up and and find something that's a
0: little bit higher rated and watch that. I'd actually kind of like to try to find some of his Martin Kane Private Eye television shows.
1: That would be kind of interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting.
0: I'm just glad that it wasn't a horrible picture. After all the films <laughs> after the films we've watched here recently, uh it would have been really very disappointing if we had walked in on this one and it had been an absolute awful film.
1: <laughs> Total stinker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no,
0: this is it was fun, it was good, and la- happily but fairly short. I mean, an hour, like you said, an hour six minutes is is a quick watch and it goes mm-hmm. by quick. I mean, so much happens before you realize that you are almost done with the movie. So Yeah. Yeah, it's an easy watch. Absolutely. It is.
1: It is. Yeah, if it were longer, it would probably have gotten a lower rating. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely. <laughs> Just would have been 15 more minutes of Jelki and Zeus <laughs> sitting in the apartment talking. Oh, no. <laughs> Unless we have anything else to say, I think that will do it. I've got nothing.
1: I don't know. I think we've covered all of it. Uh, we've left no no stone <laughs> Or <before. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Props to Leo Gorsi for actually coming up with those things because I have to really concentrate <laughs> to come up with one.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> oh, and I guess we should say uh, Happy New Year. Oh, my goodness. Yes. To everybody. Yay we're new year yeah, 2021 everyone i forgot <laughs> we should have should have mentioned that at the beginning of the show we buried the lead
1: <laughs> man just for that this this movie gets three stars <laughs> hallelujah
0: yes well we hope everyone had a fantastic holiday had a good new year and are looking forward to a a better year than the year prior
1: you're
0: here. <laughs> uh, we will be back in another month with another film, and uh, well, we'll see if you know which way we go. <laughs> <laughs> As I understand it, Detour is considered public domain, so we might have to uh, dig that one up and and check uh, and Savage out on that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we don't usually do actors back to back, but that might be the first.
0: Yeah. So that's going to do it for every uh, for now. Uh, thanks you very much for listening everyone. Uh, any feedback or comments, go ahead and uh, send it our way either the Facebook or the email. Otherwise, I guess we'll talk to you in a month. Lydia, thanks very much. Thank you. It's always it's always fun. All right? That's going to do it. Bye everybody.
1: Bye.